Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Here to introduce you to the great musicians and music businesses and organizations of Wisconsin. Thanks, Dean. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Prepare for a captivating musical odyssey as we delve into the world of Bryant Switzky this week, a true maestro in his own right, and a Verona, Wisconsin native who has recently found his way back to the Madison area after two decades spent in the Twin Cities and Washington, D.C. After this long journey, Switzky rediscovered his passion for writing and performing music. His latest release, On the Edge of Something, that came out in February of 23, marks his triumphant return with a 14-track collection of soulful, acoustic-driven songs. These melodies delve into life, love, parenthood, and loss, with his clever lyrics, sorry melodies, and passionate vocals resonating with fans of Brandy Carlisle, Jason Isbell, and the Lumineers. Twizzy is a regular performer in the Madison area music scene. Twizzy's musical journey began in his childhood, releasing his debut solo album at the age of 18 in 1997. From touring as a guitarist in a Latin band to collaborating on an EP with the group in 1999, he released his second album of original music in 2001 before embarking on his journey to the Twin Cities. Following seven years of pursuing a career as a singer-songwriter, he transitioned into a 9-to-5 writing job. This journey led him through roles as a newspaper reporter and a federal government analyst. In 2018, he reignited his songwriting spark, finding that a decade of writing professionally had honed his skills significantly. His musical prowess has not gone unnoticed, and his songs have received over a dozen alkaloids from prestigious contests such as the John Lennon Songwriting Contest, the Great American Song Contest, and the Mid-Atlantic Song Contest. On the Edge of Something and its tracks have also earned him four finalist spots in the Madison Area Music Awards in 2023. So as we dive into the captivating world of Brian Switzky, remember that your involvement in this journey amplifies the musical magic of Wisconsin. Join us on this melodic voyage, and together, let's celebrate the diverse talents furnishing in our beloved state. Before we dive into our episode, I just want to say that I'm truly grateful for your support and would love to hear your thoughts. If you enjoyed our episodes and the music journey we're on, please take a moment and leave a review right where you're listening to the podcast. Your feedback keeps us inspired and motivated. Also, don't miss out on our updates and behind-the-scenes content. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for more. You can find all the links you need in our episode descriptions at Linktree. Your engagement is invaluable, and together we'll keep the Wisconsin music scene vibrant. Thank you for being a part of our journey. Now let's get into our conversation with Brian. Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. This week we have Bryant Switzky. He is an award-winning singer-songwriter, recently returned home to the Madison area after 20 years in the Twin Cities and Washington, D.C. He has a new album called On the Edge of Something. Actually, it's, it's already come out. It's, it came out in February. It's a 14-track collection of soulful, acoustic-driven songs that explore life, love, parenthood, and loss. So we'll get into that as well. Clever lyrics, he says, soaring melodies and passionate vocals. The music appeals to fans of Brandy Carlisle. Awesome. Great fan of theirs. Uh, Jason Isbell and the Lumineers. So great uh, group of musicians that he is mixed in there with. So, Brian, welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Great. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. How did you get into music? For as long as I can remember, I've been drawn to music. And my parents noted it. They they put me in violin lessons when I was six. And it gave me a really good foundation in music and helped me develop my ear at a young age. And I um, inherited a guitar in middle school when my older brother died and started playing that. 
and it became my main instrument. Um, I started trying to to learn to sing in high school, and I got really active in my high school's uh, music and theater programs, which were outstanding. I feel really lucky to have have gone to a school with good programming like that. And I, you know, started writing songs and and performing out when I was sixteen or seventeen, and around Madison, and uh, put out my first album when I was eighteen, and it was uh, uh, a lot of fun. Cool. That's about what would you say about twenty years ago? That was nineteen ninety seven. So. A little more than that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, 20 plus, 20, almost 25 years now, I would say 26 years. So yeah. what made you uh, move out to the Twin Cities? So I put out my second album in 2001 and I moved out to the Twin Cities um, for a, a number of different reasons, but partly it was a sort of a bigger market for music. And I went out there and was trying to make a living playing music for a few years. And that was you know, it's as anybody who's listening to this podcast and is an independent musician knows, it's it's tough. Um, yes. And and back then it was a, a different world than it is now too. Uh, yeah. It was before social media, before streaming, and it was kind of a different game than than it is these days. Yeah. So, what do you see as major differences between 2001 and now 2023, the 2020? The biggest thing is. <sighs> It's kind of the best thing, but also the worst thing. Um, this, uh, the wide availability of digital audio workstations and recording has just created this explosion of people recording and putting out music. And, you know, Spotify is, gets tens of thousands of new tracks every day. Uh, and it just this gush of new music coming out all the time, which makes it really hard to get noticed because um, there's just so much out there. And it's, and on the one hand, you can post something and anybody in the world can listen to it, like right there, which is fantastic. But there are so many people doing that now that it's it's just hard to get anybody to pay attention. Right, exactly. So, you know, think about it back in the 90s when we started getting those four-track tape recorders, you know, multi-track recorders. And then all of a sudden the recording studios were like, well, now what? And now we have this other explosion of the digital age. And now we can post this stuff up online where like you just said you know so many people can go and listen to it at any time i wonder what the next thing is going to be in another you know 20 30 years who knows right yeah totally you hear this stuff about how ai is going to be changing music too and i, I gotta wonder how much that's going to become a factor right i mean you could i've done that chat gpt a couple times you know you ask it write me a song or write me you know you know a summary or whatever and it it will do it and it's and you go you know it's not half bad i mean we still need to work on it a little bit but it it's almost kind of like a muse for us as artists it's like okay i see the the idea what this ai kind of did now what can my human brain do to make this even better yeah yeah i agree i would like to think that that a human's going to be able to to come up with something that that means more to them at least, and and it lands with people in a in a different way. But yeah, it's it's crazy and a little scary of yeah. how of how much AI can uh, can do this work. Exactly. Now you talked about your first album came out when you're 18. Um, another one came out in 2001, but now you have this newest one that came out on the edge of something. Kind of give us a brief, but with some detail, how. The process for this album came together from writing into the recording studio or did you do it yourself 
It was a self-recording DIY type thing and the process of getting out to the listeners. Sure. So I started working on these songs after a long time of being away from like writing and performing music. Um, uh, but I had had transitioned from trying to play music for a living to uh, having a nine to five writing job as a, as a journalist and then as a, a federal government analyst. And I got back into songwriting in 2018 and realized that spending 15 years of writing for a living nine to five made me a much better songwriter. Um, and I, I started churning out these songs and I felt like it was the best work that I'd ever done. Um, and I was like, man, I think I want to record these. Uh, I, I have a background in audio engineering. I, I went to to Madison Media Institute for audio engineering back in you know 1998. So it's it's been a minute. Yeah, things have changed a lot since then. Absolutely. Um, so I had to sort of relearn how how that works now. And I set up my a home studio and started uh, recording it there. And uh, th in the middle of that process, I moved back to Wisconsin and, and finished the recording here. I then built a home studio here, which is able to give me some pretty nice stuff, but I wanted to, um, make sure that it, that it sounded a hundred percent professional. So I, I did go to a legit studio for the mixing. Um, even though I, you know, spent so many hours doing my own mixes, I was like, you know, I just, I want somebody who's done this full time for, for 15 years to put their ears on it. Um, and I'm glad I did. Uh, I went to Blast House Studios in Madison and um, had a really good experience there. I, I attended all the mixes and uh, got a really nice balance of of them putting forth some ideas, but listening to my real-time feedback and me learning a bit more about engineering too and seeing the decisions that they make and you know the signal chain they're following as they process vocals and all these different things that were really um, good for me to learn. Um, so yeah, and I and they did the mastering there also. So I did all of the recording, but on the album itself, it was mixed by a pro. Gotcha. No, kind of like you said, you know, you did this writing job for 15 years, which made your writing so much better. Go to somebody who's been mixing for you know 10 plus years. They have the experience of you know failure and uh, non-failure, so they can they know what they need to get to get the things done basically the way you know a client or themselves to get it done the way it should be done yeah i agree and people are so accustomed to hearing music that was produced by and engineered by pros you know in you know multi-million dollar studios that's what you hear on the radio right and i didn't i didn't want to have it not sound as good as that stuff so yeah yep exactly you know i went to the recording recording workshop in Chillicothe in 2000 summer 2002 and from there i had my own studio for a while in kenosha and then you know i, I took a break kind of like you took a break and then started getting back into it and it's it's amazing the things that i wanted to do back in the day is now actually viable to be done in a studio now it's like oh i can actually get all these you know plugins or the way i want things to sound so much easier Either it's because I've done it for a long time now or things have just gotten better. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. I was blown away by the the level of automation and control that you've got in, you know, I was using Apple's logic. You know, it's it's not an expensive it's like a couple hundred bucks to buy, but the what it can do is really uh 
blew me away. Yeah, it's just the way the things have advanced over the last 20 years is just amazing. And I can't wait to see what happens in the next, you know, 10 years or so with this stuff as well. But the reason you're here is really is to, you know, tell people about your journey through music. So kind of give us, you know, you said you did you take a break for like 15 years just doing a writing job? So you've come back to this. What has changed so much for you live-wise compared to where it was 15 years ago for you? In terms of live performances? Yeah. Yeah. So I am really getting back into the live stuff now. I was focused on recording and and I had, you know, my album release concert. We're right now, this conversation, we're in, in late March, um, just a a couple of weeks ago. And I've got like one or two shows a month booked out into July at this point. And that's kind of what I'm trying to shoot for is one or two shows a month. And I'm at this point doing it as a, as a solo, you know, me and my guitar. Um, I got a sort of a foot pedal control harmonizer so I can add some harmonies to things. And I um, have been experimenting with getting into looping though. I'm not yet ready to do that in a live show, but I think that I'll get there. Um, and try to to add some different instruments and other things into it too and and create a, a bigger sound um but really it's uh it, it's not all that different from from what i was doing 20 years ago when i was performing you know it's it's um it's about the songs and getting them out there to people who are there to listen great and another aspect of this is do you find it easier for people or are people more open to original stuff that you're doing than it was 15 years ago or is it about the same for you you know i i think it's um there's no doubt that people respond better to covers that they know you know like that's that's the thing that stands out for people especially if they're not really familiar with your with your original stuff Mm -hmm. um so i um I want to play at places where I can do my original stuff, but I also just mix some covers in and it really depends on the situation. There are some venues where um, people are really coming to, to see me and they're expecting that I'm going to play mostly originals, but in other venues, you know, you're mostly um, sort of in the background as people are, are drinking and having a good time. And there, especially for these, you know, three hour shows, I have to play a lot of covers because I just, you know, I, that's that's what's going to make people happy there, and and I want my shows to be a good experience for people. And I understand that it's each show is different. Right, exactly, and it, it just depends on you have to know your audience. Basically, if you don't yeah. know your audience, then you're you're shooting yourself in the foot usually. So these gigs that you have coming up that you said you're booked through most of the summer are these um, open mic coffee houses? Are they bigger venues? Where where are kind of people going to hear you play? Yeah, so I um I I'm doing I'm not counting open mics in that though I am certainly doing that uh, regularly too. There's a really good one in Madison at uh, the Burr Oak that I've uh, gone to a few times. It's it's nice. And as I'm trying to get back into the scene here, it's also a really good way to meet other musicians and and potential collaborators and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a mix. Uh, I've got a show coming up here at, at Cargo Coffee in on East Wash in Madison, which is got this. Um, sort of a they have a you know coffee shop and food and drinks and stuff and that's sort of a more acoustic based venue. I've got other stuff that are at brew pubs where it's kind of a bar type of scene. Um, I've got a a show at sort of an outdoor. Um, it's almost like a an outdoor stage in this sort of park environment in a little town called Poli. Okay, um, that's 
a, a whole other ball game. So it's kind of all over the map. I, I'm I've been been trying to learn the scene here, which has changed a lot since I was since I moved away more, more than twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. So since we're you know we, we're talking about playing live, so people are going to hear you play some of these originals, and you have this new album out. Let's talk about a few of these songs that are on this album, and we can even put them on the podcast and have people listen to them. So why don't you um, give us like three songs and kind of give us a little background on each one of them, if you'd like to, so people can kind of know where you're coming from with these songs. Yeah, sure. So the first one um, we'll do, I'll Be Where I Am. Okay. Um, and this is a song that features uh, Jim Lucas on harmonica. For the most part on my album, I recorded i i played all the instruments on it um and uh and did all of the programming um, but this is one where where jim played harmonica it's kind of done in a gypsy jazz style it's um a song that i wrote uh from a song prompt in a songwriting group that i'm in um that jim also is in it was uh, the group was started by uh, peter mulvey who's a, a, a wisconsin born and raised singer songwriter he now mm-hmm. lives out in vermont but uh, I've been a big fan of his for a long time. And I joined his songwriting group last year. Um, and this came out of that. Now is the time. It won't last long. You only see it once and then it's gone Nothing to do But take it all in And try to remember where you've been mm-hmm. The shadows of life all echo in my ears I'll be where I am, you'll find me I am 
finally, you were finally here. Now is the time. Right where I am, you were finally here. Won't last long. You only where I am, you were finally here. Excellent. Cool. And let's go on to a different song as well. Yeah. So let's play Live for Today. Okay. Um, and this is a a song that I that I wrote after a trip to New Orleans with my wife a few years ago. And um, she was in a shop and I was standing out on the sidewalk, just kind of watching this little scene happen. And there was a guy there who um, had a guitar and um, a fedora on his head and this pretty girl sitting next to him. And, you know, he looked like he was probably marginally employed and maybe could have been homeless. You know, I wasn't entirely sure, but he had this big smile on his face and he looked like the happiest man alive. Wow. And I kept I kept thinking about him. And so I, I I never talked to him or anything, but I wrote this song about what I imagined him to be. Okay. And a lot of the songs I write are sort of portraits of people. And this is one of those. Well, he's a free man. He's walking ten feet tall. He's a free man. And he says he wants it all He's got a wild look in his eyes So there's more to life than nine to five And he cranks it up and paints the town He's setting them up and then he's knocking them down I saying do what you want and don't be afraid Sell what you got, don't give it away Forget the future and the past Just live for today, you better do it Fast. He's not a rich man He's nearly living on the streets He's not a rich man But he's got everything he needs He's got a felt fedora and a beat-up guitar And a pretty girl hanging on his arm He's never cared much for rank and file Wherever he's walking, he'll be strutting his style And saying, do what you want, don't be afraid Sell what you got, don't give it away Forget the future and the past Just live for today, you better do it fast Yeah, and it's easy to see that he might be The happiest man alive a grinning ear to ear, you'll find him here Living life in overdrive Oh, he's a good man He's living by a code Yeah, he's a good man He'll tell you everything he knows He says it's always better to be nice than mean Don't mess with Mr. In-Between Give me a million dollars, the Isle of Man And I'll still be Exactly who I am Saying do what you want and don't be afraid Sell what you got, don't give it away Forget the future and the past Just live for today You better do it fast You better do it fast You better do it fast Excellent. Cool. And for the third song, we're going to, we'll come back to that. Cause what I would like to do is 
play that one out for the end of the podcast so people can hear it at the very end. So going on with the questions here, let's compare your latest recording to your first recording. What did you learn since then that you applied to this newest recording project? Oh, so much. All right. So my first album came out in 1997 when I was a a senior in high school. And we actually recorded it in my high school's recording studio. Um, I went to Verona, which is just outside of Madison. And we had it what at this point, it, or at that point rather, was a newly built facility that had this recording studio in it. it had 24 track ADAT. And um, you know, back in back in the ADAT days, you don't see right. those around much anymore. No. Nope. Um and uh, you know, I, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but I had a another student who was uh really big into audio engineering and he sort of was engineering it and we were both kind of learning as we went along. And uh, you know, I, I honestly, I've learned so much since then. It's hard to compare. Um, I didn't understand all sorts of aspects of things. I mean, I wasn't playing to a click track. Um, I, you know, I, I wasn't, um, I didn't understand, um, the layering of EQs and mixing and all of this stuff that makes things sound legit, you know? So when I listened to my first album, I, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't hold up to what I feel like I can do now just because I I didn't know what I was doing. Right, exactly. You know, it's like anything. The more you do something, the more you work at something, you're, you're going to grow and you're going to get better at it, hopefully. Yeah. And listening back to that first album, is there any of those songs like you go, I wonder what it would sound like today if I went and re-recorded those songs? You know, I, I have. I mean, there are um, a couple of those tunes that I still play. And, um, and there were, there were good songs, you know, and I have thought about, um, thought about doing that and going back and re-recording some of that stuff and maybe I'll get to it. It it will be fun. Yeah. Cool. You talked about, you were doing this writing job for 15 years. So one of the questions I asked is about work-life balance. Are you doing well with balancing between personal life and work life and music? How is that working out for you? Yeah. I have three kids. They're ages 12 nine and eight and they got a lot of activities and we have a really busy life Mm -hmm. and what i have the way that i've carved out time for music really started um when when they were since they were born i would play music for them at bedtime um and i was started out as just like this part of our routine you know and i started writing songs and then that's when i worked on writing songs as i was putting them to bed at night um, and so they like got to hear this process of me working and refining these songs. And, um, and when I started recording, I, I'm a, I'm a really early bird kind of guy. I was doing it between the hours of four and 6 AM, you know, when everybody else is asleep and the house is quiet mm-hmm. and it's a lot easier to, to get stuff done. So really it's, it's become sort of my late night and early morning job doing the music stuff, um, which is working out well for me. Cause I, I find it energizing and, and, you know, it literally makes me want to get up in the morning. Um, it, it does make it harder to collaborate with people, I would say, because I, I would really love to have a band um, and be playing with other musicians and whatnot, but it's a lot harder to do in terms of the scheduling, you know, um, people aren't going to come to my house to rehearse between four and 6am <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, so, um, I'll work that out as my kids get a little bit older and, and, um, I have more time th- for that. So it seems like you, you have at least goal or goal orientated and you kind of know where you want to get to. And you know that 
right now it's, it might not happen, but at least you have future plans and future goals that you're you're shooting for. So that's great. Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about goals as I got back into music. Um, you know, I back when I, I started writing again in you know 2018, 2019, I was spending a lot of time working on these songs and recording them, and and my wife is like, "Why are you doing this? Like, what's the end game? Are you trying to get back into playing music full time?" And um, and I and I thought about it, and and I, I know that per, being a, a performer who's would make enough income to replace my day job would require, you know, touring and all this stuff that I just, it's like not in the cards for me. I want to see my kids, right? you know, and I thought about other things I could do. Um, I've had some success as a songwriter and thought, well, maybe I could write songs and try to get to that point where I am selling songs to other people. And then I could make a living off of that. And so I am a really analytical guy and I did a lot of research about what that could look like. And like crunched the numbers and, you know, based on different scenarios of how successful I was. And it was apparent really quickly that I was really unlikely to ever be able to make enough money from that to replace my, to replace my day job. So I was like, you know, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it for joy. Yeah. And I'm doing it because I love it. And cause I want to have this music, um, leave a mark on the people who hear it. Great. That is great. I mean, I think that's kind of the mark of almost any true artist out there is that, yeah, money is nice, but what's the point if, if you're not making someone else's life interesting or better or, you know, something that helps someone else get through their day? Totally agree. And so I'm going over your bio here a little bit and there, I mean, you've, you've had some success. I mean, you've been on the radio, you've the Mid-Atlantic Song Contest. Um, your honorable mention for that, I believe. And so how did you get involved with uh, some of those things? Yeah, I, this, so the song contest stuff, I, um, there's a, a, so a songwriting group in the Washington DC area um, called the Songwriting Association of Washington. And I got involved with them um, to just um, do these like songwriting workshops and whatnot. And they put together this, this song contest that they do every year and people from all over the world will apply and they were like, well, why don't you throw your stuff in there? I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And and I had some success and was a, a finalist in a, with a few tracks and an honorable mention in some others. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And so I applied for some other songwriting contests too. And you know, you, you find them online and, and they have different things that they come with. Some of them give you sort of written feedback. Um, some of them give you almost no acknowledgement at all that you even submitted anything, you know, right. and some of them cost a lot of money and some of them are pretty cheap. And I started submitting stuff to them and, and, um, found it was, uh, it was a great way to get some, um, some recognition and some validation that these songs are, are doing the trick for, for people. Excellent. Yeah. So what advice would you give people listening, um, to follow a little bit of that path? What I would say is that it's really valuable to get feedback from people on your songs. I mean, I, I get the impression that a lot of the listeners of this podcast are musicians or aspiring musicians. Um, and for those of you who write songs, you know, I, I know it's like songwriting can be a really lonely endeavor. You're like sitting there by yourself and you're getting this song and you, nobody usually hears it until it's pretty much done. Mm -hmm. And the feedback you get from people like, oh, that was really good. Um, but it's not the kind of constructive feedback that can help you make your songs better. You know, they're not talking about how, 
you know, the the bridge has this minor shift that, um, you know, didn't work as well as it could, or this, the perspective change in the second verse, um, I think that you should try doing this way instead, or this one rhyme kept on tripping me up because it just didn't flow very well, or like these really specific things that you can get to from from people you trust who can be kind but also give you constructive feedback to help improve your songs yeah um, i found that really helpful um and i um i also would say that don't be afraid to edit your stuff i know when i was younger i used to think of songs as being these you know magical things that happened in a in some moments of inspiration and when inspiration came you wrote the songs and like, that was it. It was like this precious thing that now was done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really don't feel that way at all anymore. I edit my stuff mercilessly. Um, I am reworking it all the time to try to make it better and find out what works. And uh, the songs are so much better for it. Um, I don't think inspiration is something you should wait to have happen to you. You just get out there and and do the work and the magic happens. Great advice. And everybody has a little bit a different way of approaching things. And, you know, there's no real right way or wrong way of doing it. It's just a certain way of doing it for certain people. And kind of going back a little bit to this last recording, what did you learn during this recording process that you could give advice to people that are going to be going into the studio within the next year or so? I would say I, I was a little bit surprised. Um, at how much when I started recording a song and listening back to it and hearing myself sing the vocals and all these things that I was like, you know, I think I'm going to change this. I'm going to change that line or this verse isn't as good or that's weak. I would say don't be afraid to go in and and make changes to the music. Um, that's a lot easier to do if you've got the luxury of time, um, when you're paying 60 bucks an hour at a studio, it's a lot harder to, to yeah, justify that. Right. But if you're recording stuff at home and you have the luxury of like tinkering with things, um, don't be afraid to do it. And, um, I also know I had so much fun just trying different genres out, you know, and that I, I have really broad taste in music, you know, from jazz to Latin stuff to, um, to indie pop and indie rock stuff. And I, and some songs you'd be like, you know, let's make this one a pop song. This mm-hmm. one's going to be reggae. Let's do this one in an indie rock style. And I um, would do them in those styles and have so much fun with it and would try things that were um, surprising and that came um, that I, I feel like worked really well and let the songs kind of be what they wanted to be. Gotcha. As we're getting close to the end here, one of the questions I ask is, uh, a gig that's made an impression on you, like as an audience member or as a musician yourself at that gig, or even maybe a story about both. Sure. You know, when I think about like the best shows I've ever been to, my brain always comes back to this show at the Barrymore Theater in Madison. In it was probably around 1998 or 1999. Bruce Coburn, uh, who is this great Canadian singer-songwriter, um, was there and he had this just amazing band with him and he's just you know phenomenal guitar player and and songwriter and I was just like so blown away by the grooves that they had and and the rhythm and the um the 
energy just coming out of him as he was singing. I I actually left the concert early. I was just like so inspired. I was like, I got to go write music. Oh, I wow. can't even stay. And in retrospect, that was just dumb. You know, I should <laughs> I should have stayed for the rest of the show. But I was like, oh, this is so good. I just I got to go do something with it right now. Um, but uh, yeah, if I had to do it again, I'd stay. Gotcha. Cool. Cool. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you'd like to talk about for a little bit? Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I think you covered it all pretty well. Thank you. I, okay. Again, I really appreciate this, what you're doing for Wisconsin artists. And, and I know I've learned a lot about the the scene in the, in the area by listening oh, to the podcast. Much appreciated. Thanks. You know, I don't get a lot of feedback from after the, the podcast goes out. So it's great to hear that people are actually enjoying and learning things from other artists in Wisconsin. Cause that's basically why I'm doing this is just to get everybody you know, a little bit more attention and to learn a little bit more about what everybody's doing around in the in the state of Wisconsin in the music scene. So before we wrap this up, where can people go and hear your stuff and you know, learn more about you? You should go to my website, which is bryantswitzky.com. Um, I don't know if, if you'll put a link in the thing or I can spell it out here, but uh, Bryant is just B-R-Y-A-N-T and Switzky is S-W-I-T-Z-K-Y. Um, my stuff is on all the streaming platforms. Uh, at least my newest album is the older okay. stuff was before streaming was a thing. Right. Um, I will put the information down in the show notes so people can go and click on that. Um, do you have a Bandcamp site? I do. Yeah. Uh, you can look for me on Bandcamp also. Awesome. Yeah. The reason I bring up Bandcamp uh, listeners is that this is where you can actually help support artists out there. Streaming artists can get 10,000 streams and they'll barely make a dollar. But if you go to Bandcamp and you support them through purchasing their songs off of that, they're actually getting almost 100% of what you pay, depending, you know, sometimes Bandcamp has these special Fridays where all the payments go right to the artist. So if you really enjoy these artists and you really want to support them, go to Bandcamp and actually pay for the music so they can continue working on music and feel like they're actually working towards something to help, you know, make life better for you and to make their life better by continuing to create more music. Other than that, thank you so much for being on the show, Brian. It was interesting and all these great things that you've been doing over the last, you know, the way your life has kind of gone up and down through music is just, it's really interesting to hear all these different kinds of musicians like yourself and, you know, the path that they take. Everybody's path is a little bit different and it's just really great to hear what you're doing. Thank you. Uh, to play the podcast out, why don't you tell us about one more song off your album? Sure. So I'll have you play I Remember, okay. um, which is a, a song that I wrote uh, for my older brother who who died when I was in middle school and who uh, gave me my first guitar. Um, we didn't really get into that too much about what happened to your brother, but you know, anybody out there interested, go out to a live gig. And if if Brian is in the mood. Maybe he'll tell you a little bit about more about his brother. Once again, Brian, thank you so much for being on the Wisconsin Music Podcast. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and hopefully we'll talk soon. Thanks, Zach. As we conclude this inspiring interview with Brian Switzky, I want to extend a heartfelt gratitude to him for sharing his incredible musical journey with us. Remember, you can catch more of Brian's amazing work by checking out his song, I Remember, coming up right after this outro. But before we wrap up, we'd like to ask you for your continued support. If you enjoyed this episode and the podcast in general, I invite you to show your love by leaving a review right where you're listening. Your feedback fuels our passion to keep bringing you captivated interviews with talented artists like Brian. And don't forget to stay connected with us on social media. Follow our Facebook and Instagram pages for more updates. 
behind the scenes content, and exciting news. You can find all the relevant links in our episode's description link tree. Thank you for being a part of the Wisconsin Music Podcast community. Now, without further ado, enjoy Brian Swiskey's soul-stirring track, I Remember. Well, I remember how you would laugh We'd sit around and play your own guitar Wind blow smoke and swirls And we talk about girls as we looked about the stars Well, I remember how you looked Standing with your sunglasses on your head You were an idol to me Who I wanted to be I hung on every word you said And I remember when you died So much love and so much pain Nothing else mattered in the world Consumed by the swirl of so many feelings I couldn't explain But here's to you, my brother I wish you were here We'd have a laugh and raise a glass To each and every year It's hard to believe I 
wasn't sure I wanted to survive Whatever I did Well I was just a kid Trying to keep your memory alive And I remember as time passed How you began to fade from the screen Tried to keep true to you as I changed and I grew and you were still stuck at 17. But here's to you, my brother. I wish you were here. We'd have a laugh and raise a glass to each and every year. See you.